Good to have you with us tonight. We've got a pretty good crowd, actually, and for that we're thankful. We're always thankful to see people come out to worship God with us. We hope that at the few minutes that we speak tonight, because tonight is singing night, that we'll learn something that will help us in our furtherance towards being a Christian. You know, the Jews had, that had accepted Christ were under pressure to return to the old system of Judaism in some, some ways by the Jews that, uh, the Judaizers that had not accepted Christ in their life. Paul addresses this in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of, God, uh, the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that which we have received, let him be accursed. I apologize, Chris. I forgot to give you the verses, but I appreciate it. So so Paul was addressing that problem to the Galatian brethren because they were turning away and from the gospel of Christ and going back to that somewhat of Judaism. I've thought about that a lot, you know. I, I couldn't understand for a, a while why would anybody want to go back to the Jewish religion when Christ is better, a better gospel, a, a better savior, a better high priest. Why, why would you want to do that? But then I, I came, finally came to a realization, if you're 70 years old and that's the religion that you practice all of your life, how difficult would it be to give that up and do something different, something new. That's what you've been taught since childhood, that the Jewish religion and all the practices and everything that went along with it was what was going to save you at the end of time. The question then became, and still is, do we believe that Jesus is better than anything that we have or that we could have in working our way to heaven? And that's what they had to come to a decision that Christ was the answer, that Christ was the one that was going to teach them the will of God and how to save theirself at the end of life. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 6 says, Therefore it is also contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Peter calls Christ a cornerstone. A cornerstone of a building is the starting point and the foundation that's built on. If that's true, then everything that we do, if Christ is a cornerstone of the church, must be centered and built upon Christ as the cornerstone. The cornerstone then becomes the cornerstone of our life, of our religion. We are told that we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And the cornerstone or the the premise in doing that is to build our life around Christ because Christ is the answer. Christ is the best way, that, the only way that we know to get to heaven because no man goeth unto the Father except but by him. So it's very important then that we accept this conclusion that Christ is the cornerstone of our religion and we allow him then to become the cornerstone of our life. In Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 4, it was read there a few moments ago, says, God, who at various times and in, in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, 
through whom also he made the worlds, and who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. There's a lot packed in those first four verses of Hebrews. A lot. And there's a lot of study that can be done there, but we don't have the time to cover it all tonight. Christ was the chosen messenger of God that all messengers up to that point that God had chosen and appointed that pointed to. Christ was the one that was going to give his life for the sins of mankind. If you notice that it says in these last times and in various ways, that that means that what's going to happen is that we're living in the last times. It's going to all be wrapped up and brought to a close in these times of the church. There won't be another chance. We're not looking for another prophet. We're not looking for another way that points to a, a better religion in our life. But Christ is the answer. Christ is the chief cornerstone, as the Bible says. He is what we are to build our life on. He is what we're to premise our religion on. His ways, which are God's ways, which are what we're going to look at. And it says also that Christ by his person has shown us who God is and what his will is. Christ is chosen to the Father, is close to the Father by being his son. Have you ever heard someone in, in your life look at you and say, you look just like your father or you act just like your father or your father's never going to die as, as long as you're alive? I've seen people say that to other people and have it said to myself. And what that means is that you are an expression or a look-alike almost, of your Father. Well, when we see Christ, we're seeing that only in a, a more perfect sense, if you will. When we talk about an express image of something, it's as though you have a stamp, and when you stamp it one time, and you stamp it five more times, it gives the exact image of the first one. Well, that's the way Christ is in relationship to God. If you see Christ, he is the express image of his brightness, he is the express image of what God is like. Why? Because he is God. They have the same purpose, the same heart, the same character, the same attributes. Christ and God were the same because they share, they share that same relationship. Christ also speaks for us. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, it says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Can you imagine having to go to court tomorrow on a very, very serious matter? It's a matter of life and death. And you're looking for a, law, for a lawyer to represent you in this case. And then all of a sudden somebody says, well, I know who you need. Old so-and-so over here, he's, he's the judge's son. Boy, that'd be my pick, wouldn't it you? That's exactly what the relationship is here. Jesus Christ is God's son, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Jesus gave his life that he, that he might atone or be an appeasement for our sins in relationship to God. That access into that relationship is available to us through obedience to his will. 
Jesus told the disciples that he was going to the Father and they could come too. But the question was asked, he said, well, he, he told them that, Lord, we know not where you where you're going, and we cannot know the way. And Jesus' answer to them was, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? What Jesus was simply saying is, I act and think and talk like my Father does. And if you look at me, Philip, you see exactly the way my Father is. You see mercy. You see him have compassion on the blind. You see him have compassion on the, on the deaf and the dumb. You see him restore arms, Philip. You see him willing to die for your sins so that you might not have to suffer eternal punishment. But Philip, you also see his wrath. You see how God entered into the temple and chased out the money changers because they were making a mockery of his religion. You see him in the Old Testament when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So you see all the, all the characteristics of God in the Bible and through Christ in the New Testament. If you want to see the Father, Look at Christ, because he's an exact express image to the character and the attributes of God himself. So being the son, he came into the world to give his, his life for our sins. Christ is the express image of the Father, such as we've said, and we need no other prophet to come and show us the way. He told us exactly what God wanted. He gave to us and God in life form, in the form of a man. And he expressed his will. Christ is the promised blessing to the world. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, God made a promise to Abraham. He says, through your seed, Abraham, the world will be blessed. And in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16, we're told that Christ is that promised blessing. Being God, he spoke with authority. You know, when the, when the scribes and the Pharisees would go into the temple, they would read the law of God. And they would, they would um, as a priest, would read, would read the law of God, and they would express to the people what God had said. But if you notice as you read what, what Jesus said when he was teaching, like an, an example of Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, it says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whosoever looks at, at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus didn't say that God said. Jesus said, I say unto you. He had authority. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, he tells us this. He says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, whoever rejects the Christ rejects the Father. Luke chapter 10 and verse 16, he says, who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. He's talking to his disciples. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. When you look at the Bible and Christ tells us something that we don't agree with and we say, I don't like that, or I don't like what that preacher said this morning, or I don't like what we're being told to do, you're not rejecting the preacher. You're rejecting God. If the word is from God and the word is right with God, and the word is what God expressed in his word, that's who you're rejecting. 
And Christ says, if you reject me, you reject the Father. It's a very, very thin line. We need to be very careful of what we're doing and how we're saying things. We must see and understand that the message of Christ is centered on the will of the Father. When we hear it, then we've got to, in order to be saved, we've got to obey it. How much do we read the Bible? How much do we listen to what Christ is saying? Are we very mindful of what he says? You know, there was a commercial on TV a long time ago about a company called E.F. Hutton. E.F. Hutton was a brokerage. <clears throat> and the thing that stuck out to me about that commercial in relationship to the Bible is that in regards to money, that's what the commercial was about, that this broker could make you more money than anybody else. And the scene I remember is these people were sitting at a restaurant and they were talking and there's noise all around and people are eating. And all of a sudden these two people at this table, the camera focuses on them and they're talking about money and he says, well, what would you do? And he says, well, my broker E.F. Hutton said, and at that moment it just the camera focuses around the room and everybody stopped wanting to hear what this person had to say about E.F. Hutton because the message was that important. Isn't that the way that we ought to treat the word of God? When God speaks, we should be centered upon that message. We should be centered upon God's messenger because he is God in the flesh. And when he speaks, what he's spoken to us is exactly what God wants us to know. When Christ speaks, everything else in this world should stop and focus on the words that are being said because it's that important to us in our life. Christ is better high priest because he also entered into it into uh, eternity to represent man. I skipped ahead of myself there. God became man to become the go-between between man and God. In verse, in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 1, it says, Who being express the brightness of the glory and the express image of the person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In the Old Testament, when the priest would go into the most holy place to offer sins for the people, to roll their sins forward from year to year, at first of all, what he had to do was offer sacrifices for himself, because he, being a human being, was a sinful person too. And the book of Romans tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that goes all the way back to Adam. So if no one is a sinless male... Then, or a man, or a woman, or how can they offer sacrifice for their sins? Because we're not good enough. We weren't good enough. They, we were never going to be good enough to offer sacrifice for our sins. But Christ came into the world and gave his own self for our sins. So God was dying in the stead that we don't have to. So that's what Christ did. He was God's chosen lamb to die for our sins upon the cross. And he became our high priest. And it says, by himself he purged our sins and then sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. When Christ became man, he was tempted just like we are, but he was without sin. Who better to be our mediator with the Father than Christ himself? 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is our propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also the whole world. 
Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may have obtained mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. When I go to the Father through prayer and pray, Jesus Christ is right there if I'm his child pleading my case. The one who is sinless, the one who offered his blood for my sins. That's an awesome thought to me, that another man would lay down his life for me. And that another man would lay down his life for you. That becomes very personal. Very personal. I think back on the things that, that I've done in life and I know that I could never be worthy of salvation if all those things were brought up on the day of judgment. But Christ wiped all that away with his death upon the cross. He died for our sins. And he represents us. He is our high priest. <clears throat> Christ is a better high priest because his priesthood is eternal. Christ represents God to man as he walked upon this earth and we see his life and we view the things that he said and done. And he is man to God. He talks to God about the temptations and what it feels like because he's been tempted in every way just like we are. His words are precious. His words are true. His words should be so important to us because it's the cornerstone of our life. That's what we're to build our religion on. That's what we're to build our life upon. And that's Christ Jesus and his word. It says that in these last days, God sent his son into the world to preach us a message. Are we listening? Do we have our ears open? Are we paying attention? Or are we just scooting by? It's oh so important. When Christ speaks, the whole world should just stop and listen. Because it's not money we're talking about here. It's eternal life. It's eternal salvation. And he died for everyone's sins. But first of all, to take advantage of that sacrifice, you have to be his child. You have to be obedient to his will. 